Hello and welcome to Sunnydale Study Group Investigating Angel, where we are going through episodes of Angel and chatting about them. I'm Omar. I'm Chris. And we're going to be chatting about episode four of season one, I Fall to Pieces. So let's cue the music. Hello. Welcome back to the Central Library in downtown Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. uh, a few miles away from uh, where this episode takes place. Indeed, yeah. 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 That's where it seems like much of Angel takes place, is (laughs) downtown. There will be uh, a few times when they leave for a little bit. There's like one or two destination episodes, but... For the most part, it'll all be around here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this, <laughs> uh, so we'll be chatting about episode four uh, of Angel. I fall to pieces, as we mentioned earlier. But really quick, I thought we'd check in. How's everything going? Things are very good. Yeah, the, good. The, the world spins on. That's uh, in, that's a, a miracle every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every day when I wake up and I find out that Superman hasn't flown around to reverse our rotation, thinking it would turn back time to save Lois from a bunch of rocks. <laughs> it was only Lois, right? He didn't care about like all the disasters, right? No, it was Lois was like buried in sand. Yeah, the car got swallowed yeah. by the earth, and he was like, now I'll go back and save it. Yeah. Even though there was like a dam that, like the Hoover Dam broke, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think it fixed that, too. Yeah. But that was like a byproduct. Of... He wasn't planning to save the Hoover <laughs> no, Dam. No. Just Lois Lane. Yeah. Uh, so thank you, Lois, for being involved. Mm-hmm. You help uh, Superman stay emotionally involved. Exactly. Which is a huge plus. Uh, so let's go ahead oh, yeah, and jump into the episode. Let's chat about uh, let's chat about this episode because it's a really creepy episode. Yeah, incredibly creepy. Yeah, this is a David Greenwald written episode, right? Story by Joss Whedon. If I unless I'm mistaken, I believe it is. I think that the two of them. Yes, David Greenwald wrote it. Joss Whedon came up with the story, and Vern Gillum directed it. Vern Gillum. Yeah, this kind of sets the the pattern that Angel, so far, season one, is very much about creepy, rich men preying on women. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be chatting about this episode uh, for the next half hour, but I think also we'll mostly be chatting about... we're going to start jumping into some mythology stuff, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the next few episodes. Uh, but this is a perfect, like, episodic, like, talking about how Angel is this fantasy of if you could just beat up terrible people in Los Angeles. Right. <laughs> yeah. In this case, an incredibly skilled surgeon. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the, uh, the actor who plays the uh, who plays Ronald Meltzer is the yep. same actor who plays De Hoffren in Buffy. That is a fun fact. Yeah. A lot of people say fun fact, and it's just a fact. Not that fun. That one is a fun fact. <laughs> Truly a hoot. <laughs> yes. And his uh, and even though in one reality he is, or in one show, he is a demon who grants horrific eviscerations on people, he's actually creepier as a human. Yeah, which is, I mean, the evisceration, I guess, happens in the form of surgery for, for Ronald. Mm-hmm. Andy Umberger, that's his name. Uh, but a great actor, because he sells the part. Oh, yeah. No, no. He's thoroughly great. creepy. Thoroughly, thoroughly, horrifyingly creepy. No, for sure. And just the idea that, like, he thinks that they're married. Yeah, if you haven't 
I mean, we don't. <clears throat> the quick thing of it is, yeah, Angel gets a uh, there's a woman named Melissa who comes yep. to Angel. She has a guy who did surgery on her, saved her life, and then decided he wanted to meet, be with her, and then just kind of decides that he is with her and yeah. says that they're getting married. He lies about it. He sends her flowers. It's incredibly creepy. And then she hires Angel, and then Angel. Angel getting into his private investigator lying to people mode yeah. where it's like, hello, stranger, I'm going to approach you yeah. and force myself into your life. Is it creepy? Always a little bit at first, but then he's quick to be like, I have a card. Oh, with Megan and like yeah. bumping into her at the yeah. car park and yeah. stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Jensen. You, that's his company, Jensen. Yep. <laughs> it's like Vandalay Industries. Exactly. <laughs> If you ever want to meet people, if you ever want to meet strangers in Los Angeles, keep business cards with you. Because nothing says, hey, nope, I wasn't following into your car to kidnap you like a business card. <laughs> Instantly assuages all of those fears because you're just like, oh, this is networking. Uh, great. Okay, cool. <laughs> like, he does that as if, like, and then also she reacts. I mean, granted, she's got bigger fish to fry yeah. in her frying pan. Mm-hmm. But she's like, oh, God, of course. Thank God. Yeah. Tall, scary man who is not alive with a trench coat uh, handing me a card. Perfect. Thank you so much. Yeah. And that she's like, I've got a friend at the police department. And it's interesting because Angel, because of his situation, has to be untruthful. Yeah. He has to, in many cases, because it, it, this, this was not a problem that Buffy ran into too much. Outside of Joyce, right? Joyce right. was the one that she had to lie to. Yes. And uh, she had to lie every now and then. Yeah. But she had problems come to Buffy's doorstep, or as Angel seeks problems He out. has to go out to get them. And yeah. He, and he does so in a way where he's trying to be paid. Yeah. That was a weird element of this episode, too, was like Cordelia's obsession with getting payment. Yeah. It's a funny... I see... It's okay. Here's what I really like about Angel. I'm working on a pilot right now that is sort of like an Angel-y X-Files sort of thing. I'm in. Figuring out the specifics of the characters uh, and getting your head out of the story is uh, incredibly difficult. Uh, yeah. A lot more difficult than I thought it would be because I just want to get to the mystery, right? I want to yeah. get to the Sherlock element. But at the same time, like, Sherlock happens because Sherlock is this way and Watson's this way. Mm-hmm. And the shows that do Sherlock stories are really good at, like, being like, this show exists because of the characters. Right. Not these characters exist in the show. Mm-hmm. So I really respect the choice to have Cordelia constantly chasing the dollar. Yeah. Trying to make that bread because it's a character choice. Does not push the plot at all. <laughs> it does no. not influence. Like, it's not like a thing where it's like, if we don't get this money, everything will shut down. And I don't want to say too much because we'll get to it later. But at one point, they in Angel, they're just like, eh, money is not really a problem. At first, though, it is. Yeah, like right now it is. Although the complaints of like the money situation aren't, I feel like, our money problems. Like our real life money problems where it's like, for me, it's like if I don't make money, I can't get just like uh, an interview for another job. I don't have gas Mm -hmm. money, right? Yeah. Whereas like Angel seems to have infinite gas money or he can go in the sewers or whatever. That's like not stopping him. Their problems are like electricity kind of, which isn't a huge thing for Angel. Or, or like, the coffee's, like, not great. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little questionable. Because, mm-hmm. especially as Buffy continually 
remains just on mission. Yeah. And suffers because of her mission and never ever would consider the the thought of like, I think, you know, maybe it gets mentioned as a joke at one point in the series, but she never considers trying to pay, get people to pay her for it. Yeah. And so you're right. Angel has gone this long without it. And it isn't until Cordelia is like, we need to be making money on this stuff. Did he have a job in Sunnydale? No. No. Right. And he had a really nice swanky apartment. He did. That was never really fully understood. Explored why he had that apartment. Maybe he had a spell that just like, it was like one of those Harry Potter spells that like when you walk up, you don't, no one can actually see it. It's like a nine and three quarters thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were discussing, quick Harry Potter tangent, we were discussing yesterday uh, that at 9.34 a.m. or Mm p.m., whether you want to have some sort of caffeinated beverage uh, some sort of tea-based beverage, or you want to have, like, butterbeer in the evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, 9.34, a- as a time stamp, is nine and three quarters. Very nice. So, Omar, thank you for bringing that up. Absolutely. I'm going to think about it every single time. Oh, should it be 9.45? That's technically three oh, quarters the hour. Oh, because it's three quarters in. But I feel like you want to see the nine, the three, the four. Yeah, that's the... So 9.34. Yeah, that's the... Yeah, the Janissa pot, yeah. if you will. <laughs> Of the clock. Uh, uh, but yeah, this angel... Oh, we're about to hit nine minutes and 34 seconds into this podcast. We have a yeah. sip of our coffee on Ooh, it. Ooh, that's oh, a good it idea. Comes. It's coming up. Although, and... it might be... We have to oh. get two seconds for them. And there it is. And now we're on the train to Hogwarts. Uh, <laughs> Such a magical place. Harry Potter never charged for it. Now, I'm trying to think... Because this is the episode where it's most awkward about the money. Because, mm-hmm. yes, we've heard about invoicing before... This is the episode in which a woman is being stalked by a creepy rich man who can pull his own eyes out of his head and watch her in her apartment, and Cordelia's like, give me money. So, is there any other major hero who gets paid besides, like, government employees like Mulder and Scully? Hmm. Like, Punisher, I don't think. Like, I think some characters get money from their exploits or their adventures jessica jones jessica oh yeah i guess although her this the netflix story like the alias space story with purple man is like an unpaid situation because it's she's like her a own client yeah, right right. right but people come to her yeah and she but also jessica jones is of this world she needs to pay her rent we also see her apartment and that's a no money apartment there's like holes in the walls that she can't patch up and stuff yeah so that checks out so she yeah she needs to survive whereas angel could just hide in a hole how okay what building is that how does he afford it like it's downtown right i think his building is downtown angel always happens to find just these large spaces that no one's in he like he should <clears throat> i know that it might be difficult for him with his current condition of being a vampire but mm-hmm. i would recommend for him to look into the career of flipping houses i think he's got great taste in location he's limited to nighttime exactly that's the thing and he destroyed the gem yeah See, he could have held on to it just so he could start his house flipping business. Yeah, HGTV during the day, mm. investigating Angel during the night. There you go. Would have been so simple. And then he could have had a spinoff HGTV show. Ooh. Investigating Decor. Ooh. Hmm. Decor Detective. Decor yeah, Detective. detective. <laughs> That's a show. And we're watching it. 
And next week is kind of an episode of Decor Detective. That's true. That's yeah. true. Well, we'll oh, get into these that ones, soon. It'll be two weeks. Oh, right, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, right, of course. Really got to go back up to Sunnydale. Oh, right. So let's, one of my favorite aspects of this episode is right from the get-go, right from the beginning, we are in a 90s office. And this is mm-hmm. something that I feel like we've lost a little bit. And I don't know exactly, like, we don't see it a whole lot outside of, like, maybe, like, Pixar shorts or something like that. But, like, the drab office office. Like those people that work with Melissa? Yes. And, like, the guy who's like, you've got cake on your face. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what a weird scene. Uh, But, like, that, so here's, uh, let me see if I can, maybe I'm making a bigger deal about this in my head than, than I need to. But I feel like there was a time, actually, I don't feel like, I know for a fact, there was a time before Twitch before YouTube, mm. before professional video game playing, right? When you couldn't have a side career or aspiration outside, like in your in your house, in your right. home. Uh, and if you had a hobby, like maybe you could get like, maybe you're really good at painting ducks, right? But that would just get you some awards at like a convention mm-hmm. or you could enter it into like a stamp thing or whatever, right? Yeah. But like that, your hobby was just a hobby. Mm-hmm. You had your job, and that's what your career was, and then you had some hobbies if you liked them. Mm-hmm. And if you weren't pursuing entertainment or whatever, you weren't one of these figures. So if you worked in, what I'm saying is, if you worked in an office in the 90s, you worked in an office. Yeah. You weren't going to eventually be possibly on some Comic-Con panel. You were in an office. Like, that was your life. Unless suddenly you just, like, flipped out and you're like, I'm writing scripts or something. Mm-hmm. So... Nowadays, I feel like that doesn't ring true because anyone who works in a boring accounting office job, not that accounting's boring, accounting can be very exciting, but if you're working on these jobs, there's also the chance that you're this amazing Call of Duty player who at some point will be like, hey, sorry, I gotta go to Vegas for this tournament. By the way, I'm super famous online. Right. Now we have those people. Like Now anyone can be those people. But I love this scene because this is, uh, this is hearkening back to those days it's where a time capsule. not a possibility of that. So the guy who's like, you've got cake on your face is going to forever be, you've got cake on your face guy. And there's something that I feel like, <laughs> like the, the young kid, the kids these days don't like jazz. First of all, if I learned one thing from La La Land, it's that children don't like jazz music. They hate it. Yeah. And the second thing is there are invisible stairs in the observatory in the, in the Leonard Nimoy room that you can climb up, apparently, and have a dance in front of stars. Well, how yeah. How about it? I know. I haven't found them yet, because they are invisible. But I every so often when I'm in there, I kick my feet up to see if I You step in, in the air? <laughs> yeah. Just to be like, and uh. usually I'm back down on the ground, but mm-hmm. one day I'm going to catch those Ryan Gosling, <laughs> Emma Stone stairs. Uh, but <laughs> One day. Unless another film comes out and claims that yeah. reference-wise. But I don't think it will. We could... No, that would just feel like a reference. Yeah, 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 it would no, just yeah, be a La La Land reference. Yeah, they've kind of claimed it. Wow, way to stake that ground. But I love this scene because it, it reminds me of when I was a kid growing up in Silicon Valley, and I was hanging out with like my dad's friends and stuff in the office, and it was like, oh yeah, this is what these people do. This is their lives, and there's not like other stuff. And I think it's really interesting that like now the world has changed so much, mm-hmm. where anyone can be a, a vlogger, you know, can be making like video art or music or whatever, and, like, we kind of don't realize that. Yeah. That is, uh, that's kind of encouraging. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah, I would definitely say way better. I'm sorry, you know what, I could, should I announce this right now? Do it. Okay, tomorrow, 
on the YouTube channel of Two Broke Geeks. Ooh. There's going to be a special announcement video coming up. Great. And I'm going to give you fair listeners of the podcast, especially those who listen to Investigating Angel, because this is way more rambly. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. just Chris and Omar talk about Los Angeles and Angel. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be putting up a video uh, announcing a project I'm doing until the end of 2017 Ooh, called awesome. Nerdy Worms, where every other week we're going to make a video project together. That sounds like amazing. All of us. Cool. All of us? All of us. Uh, one week, a prompt goes up. Next week, we put up our projects that were inspired by that prompt. Whoa. And then a week after that, a new prompt comes up. And it's going to be stuff like, you know, editing, match on action, like fun stuff. Also, like how to do special effects. And then you shoot your own little short film inspired by that special effect. Amazing. And we all share it and enjoy it. And that's it. It's called Nerdy Worms. Great. And yeah, you, know. you can participate. Yep. <laughs> I was pointing at you. We've got some new uh, listeners that every now and then, like, I'll see on our Twitter someone who yeah. is not J. Peter Kath being like, I listen too. Yeah, I, there's been some great, there's yeah. some really encouraging, wonderful, nice people who have just like, been like, oh, I'm loving made, this. Yeah, ooh, they made it to the special credit section. Yeah. So there are some people who uh, said that they were, uh, well, I'll look it up in a, in a little bit to give a more specific shout out. But they're like, just discovered that's going to go back to the beginning and listen. And yeah. Like, You're so nice. The microphone quality is not that great. I don't think <laughs> they care. That's great. Yeah. You know what? And those first few seasons of Buffy, the microphone quality wasn't that great either. <laughs> <It's> true. <laughs> but uh, Talking yeah. about followings, let's talk about stalking. <laughs> yeah. a huge element of this episode. Ugh. It's the stalking episode. This is a nightmare episode. Yeah. This is a nightmare episode. And I feel like it's a nightmare that I, I mean, not to, I feel like it's something that I, pers- I don't quite fully appreciate and understand. Because mm-hmm. I've never been stalked. I've never felt personally in danger of someone trying to get their hands on me yeah, in that way. Nor have I. So uh, for us to be uh, horrified by it, I think is speaking to only the uh the importance of the theme right mm-hmm. yeah because it's like angel which is by just it's a more it's the more masculine of the two shows in the sense that it's led by a incredibly masculine heroic mm-hmm. macho man yeah he's a like a batman yeah. detective guy exactly batman is a detective so he's just a batman guy mm-hmm. and that a lot of the you know feminist themes that come through in Buffy so naturally aren't as on the surface of Angel, but I feel like perhaps, and I this is kind of more of a question than it is a statement. Is it seem does it seem like the way that Angel plays on those themes that are so important to Joss so far is by highlighting the evil that men do? And I know we've talked about that a little bit in the past investigating yeah. Angel sessions. But like as we were saying, that this one kind of sets the pattern is it's different shades of like, you know, the first one, that first episode, it's about something kind of similar. Mm-hmm. A different kind of rich jerk yeah. doing this. But that using money to prey on people and that you should distrust the wealthy. Yeah. And that when men are given these positions of power in L.A., they are vapid and they terrorize people. One of my, I think, I it's really interesting, like comparing Angel and Buffy in that way because it is so true that I feel like a lot of the villains 
I might want to sit down and think more about this. Yeah. So I'm like 80% of the way uh, confident in this. But yeah. I feel like in Buffy, the villains are kind of, are a little less explored. Yeah. Like they're kind of thematically there. And you're like, oh, this is this guy, all right? Or like, you know, it's like the whole thing of like high school's hell for the first three seasons at least. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these concepts are um, like, you know, bullies. Mm-hmm. And then how do we translate bullies into paranormal stuff? Because we think, you know, stylistically in our heads because we're all crazy story people. Yeah. Uh, and I think that Buffy over time gets a little bit away from having to not rely on that, but like focus on that and allows for, um, I mean, like I think with faith, it's, a, a, the, I think the reason that the show really takes off with faith is because it's not Buffy fending, fighting off guys, which is insanely important, uh, and, and great writing. Uh, but it's Buffy versus another person. Like, it's not like that. It's yeah. like, it's not this dichotomy, right? It becomes like a more sort of like intricate, Buffy specific story. Yeah. Like only Buffy could have a faith story. Yeah. Um and I think that's really interesting and when Buffy gets into that I feel like it really flies. I think Angel first of all it's it's Joss and and David and I yeah. feel like they're hauntingly good at getting into the heads of these guys mm-hmm. who are like the villains of Angel. Yeah. And they also really want to be like monsters. Well, you want to be like, these guys are legitimate monsters. I think Buffy's a little bit more kind on teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, who people are. Whereas this is, like, there's no... Like, the ending of this episode, he's just, like... He, is he a, he's a, technically alive, right? Is he still alive? By the end? When Angel, like, separates his body yeah. and then cements him? Yeah. It's... I think it's... He's not technically destroyed. I don't think he is, because he could just put himself back together... But in like a separated iron giant him. way, so now he can't. So like, I feel like the just like like Buffy would never throw a bully out of a window to his death. No, because yeah. I think that Buffy still knows that there are humans, or even if there's demons, there's like some sort of understanding mm-hmm. there, right? I think Angel's good and bad, but I don't know what the like the good is like the victims. <laughs> yeah, like Angel himself is not the good. He's no. the bad, and I think he sees worse in people and hates that. Yeah, and w- Angel is <clears throat> Angel is willing to go to pretty bleak means to thwart villains, and and I think that's kind of almost why he relates to Kate so much, and why he falls into the detective category is oftentimes detectives and um law enforcement have to kill yeah to protect Mm -hmm. and that they're and they kill living people with Mm -hmm. souls Mm -hmm. and so it's like whereas buffy or spider-man or superman will never take life outside a snyder film (laughs) what's up outside of a snyder film right yeah (laughs) don't count that Outside of that, Angel will. Yeah. And I think that we're, you know, talking about how the metaphor of high school is hell and that the the monsters in Buffy were generally so clearly monsters. Like they made such a point in that episode Lie to Me in season two that what 
made Buffy so freaked out was that a friend of hers who was a person was willing to go to these monstrous levels. And so I think that in Angel, what this episode starts to set the tone of is that it's not just about fighting monsters. It's that people are monsters. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Even the first episode, technically a vampire, but it does not track mm. in the same way that like in Buffy. It's not like the master or something, right? No, exactly. He's just a produce. He's like a studio head. Exactly. <laughs> and he's got a room full of presumably not vampires. Yeah. And even though <clears throat> in the following few episodes, it's like, yes, they are these monster people this one and then one's episodes going on will show that oftentimes especially with like wolfram and hart mm-hmm. the show angel has the bleaker perspective yeah that humans are dangerous and sometimes need to be taken out i think that buffy my takeaway from buffy is that i can be strong Mm-hmm. And then there's like deeper levels of that of like I can be strong for my friends, right? I can be strong for family. I can yeah. be, you know, uh, I think with Angel, it's I can choose to not be bad. Yeah, like that to me yeah. is, and it's not like I choose to be good. It's like I choose not to be bad because all, like a lot mm-hmm. of these guys. Yeah, and, and it's funny that uh, that our investigating Angel episodes are just two guys chatting about Angel, and we will be having guests. Yeah, coming up very soon. Uh, that right there is the guest uh, siren, which means that our guests are flying in to, uh, <laughs> to have lunch somewhere not here. Yeah. But yeah. they're getting prepared for their future episodes. Yeah, they're flying into Santa Monica to go have some meetings over on the over there with Riot Games. But uh, we'll, we'll <laughs> hopefully catch them on their way back. Uh, but it's, I think it's almost... There is something like it's... Angel is such like a sh- so clearly a guy show. Yeah. About a guy who doesn't like projections of sort of his internal stuff, whether it's like yeah. what society's put in her heads, uh, or it is actually sort of instincts or stupid thoughts that we have. Mm-hmm. But like these guys are hunters, right? Like it's like yeah. these men in Angel are hunters. Yeah. And Angel is like drawing a line in the sand and being like, you can't do that. He hunts the hunters. He hunts the hunters. Um, which, man, I've always, it's so violent. I don't know how to make it not violent, but I've always wanted to like do a story about like someone who, like a punisher, but like for poachers. That's cool. But I don't, like I don't want to write people shooting other people. So Yeah, I know what you mean. And I don't even know if I would read that. Yeah. <laughs> but I need to figure something out. As a kid, I probably would have. That's true. As an angry teenager, I would yeah. have, eaten that up yeah back in my sin city days yeah i was like yeah. this is great and then i went back and was like oh this is really really awful mm-hmm. and cruel and misogynistic weird, yeah, and weird looking man who doesn't look normal is the gross one kill him because he's gonna be a monster yeah i mean that one he he made his bed and he should be charged in it but uh <laughs> the one that i still don't get and i can't wrap my head around is 300 the, to keep uh, going on, the, yeah. back onto the Snyder train. In 300, the, 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 comic? the gentleman, it's in the comic, but like in the movie is like where it really terrible. weirded me out. It was like where, what's his name, who like couldn't hold a shield up and stuff like that. Uh, oh yeah, like the deformed guy? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, he, he, I was just like, when he didn't fight with him, I was like, oh, this might be Disney-esque and he'll come back at the end and be like, see, I am a hero. 
And it wasn't that. And I was like, okay, well, that's, you know, sort of Disney-y, and I wouldn't expect that out of a non-Disney film. But then he became, like, the bad guy. Yeah. And he was just like, I'm going to sell them out. And he's, like, so angry. I was like, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I mean, buy that. The, it's in the book. Yeah. It's not in the history. It's not, right? It's not in Herodotus's The History. That was, like, a choice that Frank Miller made. Yeah, he added, like, what if there was a deformed guy that was mocked and then betrayed them? Like, like Frank Miller's not the most Steve Rogers-looking man himself, so I don't no, know exactly where that's coming there's, from. There's problems there. <laughs> there's Yeah, there's problems there. Uh, I think it was kind of like... <clears throat> I think that as... As kids, you read comics and you watch these Batman and Superman stories. And then as teenagers, you don't want to lose those characters because you love them so much. And so then we discover this realm of like Frank Miller's and Alan Moore's where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, these stories can be very adult and that's exciting. And, you know, you're watching action films and Tarantino and it's like, wow, it's like Tarantino version of Batman. And then when I look at them even further removed, especially as like the Snyder films have started like chasing that yeah. trend. It makes me realize, no. They're even the, more immature than the original yeah, Spider-Mans. Yeah. The, the, these should, in my view, remain gentler. It's a good trajectory. And I don't want to, again, paint with a huge, a giant brush because we come from certain backgrounds. We have certain personality yeah. types. And if you uh, don't agree with that, Perfectly fine. Yeah, tweet at us. Uh, a tweet, yeah, perfectly fine. But tweet at us. Come at us. Watch us destroy your opinions. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's a, it's a funny thing where when people talk about like they want to see violent stuff because it's more adult. This is the thing that gets me when people are like it's more adult. To me, as from a storytelling, first of all, like when people are like Game of Thrones is a more adult show than I don't know Gilmore Girls. Like Gilmore Girls is childish. Game of Thrones is adult because there's like swords and Arya Stark stabbing people and stuff like that. It's weird to me because I'm like, I understand that there's material you can't show to children in our current climate. Yeah. uh, Which hasn't always been the case. But I wouldn't describe it as adult because I think that like something more realistic uh, and based in reality is inherently more quote unquote mature because it's not into fantasy which is like sort of more indulgent right yeah 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 um but also like people resorting to violence to do stuff without thinking it through is an immature reaction right so by that logic like how in any way is like punisher more adult than spider-man it's more barbaric yeah but like i wouldn't describe it as it's i don't know it's like a weird thing that like when people are just like Oh, this I was I want to see a more adult version of this thing because it's violent. I'm just like that sounds childish because as a kid I used to pretend fight with my friends. Yeah, and I grew up and I was like, you know what? That's I'm not going to do that. As I became an adult, I was like, violence actually isn't a solution. Yeah, there are more like you have to go through rhetoric and like sort of logical steps and stuff, which isn't as fun. That's why we refer to it as mature and adult. Yeah, instead of adult content, they should just say. Violent, barbaric content. Yeah, I think it's a way better way to put it. Yeah, That's don't a... show your, don't show your children because they may be more. What's the word? Impressionable. Yeah, and and be disturbed. I mean, I know I saw Pulp Fiction too young. Oh yeah, yeah. But that yeah. wasn't my parents' fault. I found the VHS in oh, my house. You just watched it. It's and the... I was like, this is fun. Then it was like the gimp scene, and I was like, this is I can't sleep. Yep. Uh, people do that. Uh, the, what is the world? Uh, 
I also feel like with those films, too, just before we hop <clears throat> off of Pulp Fiction, uh, it's very interesting because I feel like um, those movies are interesting because they don't, you need to, uh, I feel like the reason that we say, hold them away from kids isn't because like it's going to make kids into like serial killers or whatever. No. I feel like just teaching people compassion and emphasizing not touching people when they don't want to be touched and stuff like that. Yeah. Just tie it back in the episode. Yeah. But it's just because kid at that age, you can't relate to that source material. No. So, like, unless you're watching it for some academic purpose, which will later become important. Mm-hmm. Like, Great Expectations, I'm glad I read it as a high schooler because, like, it's an important book yeah. and I should be yeah. reading books. I didn't get it until I graduated college and I went right. into the real world and I was like, this is hard. I might become a nobody. Yeah. Now I get it. Mm-hmm. Great Expectations. <laughs> uh, that is our bell, which means they found out that we have broken into the library and we're recording this podcast illegally. Yeah. So before we go, we have to give a little LA lesson from this uh, from this episode. Mm-hmm. So Chris, what's your LA lesson? My LA lesson is you go first. Okay. <laughs> hold on, hold on, no, 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 I've got it, I've got it. My LA lesson is when you approach someone, if you really need to approach a stranger. Do so in a way that does not make them feel like you're putting them in danger or make them turn and go, ah, who's this? Nice. Yeah. That's, I think, a very important lesson that a lot of people don't realize. Yeah. Make people feel safe. Make people feel or safe. Let, let people not let people know that they're safe around you. Yes. Because they should be safe around you. Yes. There you go. That's uh, a more elegant way to say that. What about you, Omar? What's your LA lesson? Mine ties into that similarly, not to that direct scene. Yeah. Uh, and because this is a an investigating angel episode, so it's kind of like an after dark. I can get a little. I can get a little darker and a little more aggressive than our usual Sunnydale exactly selves. Uh, keep your hands to yourselves, or we will take them from you. <laughs> That's my LA lesson from this episode. All right, that has been our discussion of I Fall to Pieces, episode four of season one of Angel. Thank you so much for joining us and listening to us talk about that, bad people in LA and Los Angeles in general. Mm-hmm. Chris, where can they find you? Hey, everybody, my name's Chris Promonti. You can find me as a Montioc on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, and as the host of The Gauntlet on Hyper RPG every Thursday at 6.30 PDT. Uh, you can find me with Musical Improv Group, Robot Teammate. You can find us on the Geek and Sundry Twitch. And then you can also find... Um, uh, yeah, that's pretty much... Those are the things right now. Great. You can, you can find me with Omar and Holland doing this. <laughs> I'm Omar. You can find me on Twitter at Omar Najam. Uh, you can also... I'm putting up stuff back on to Two Broke Geeks on YouTube. Yes. Not as regularly. And I'm a lot older than I was when I started the channel. So don't expect it to be like trailer reactions and stuff like that. You don't I'm, look that much older, I don't think. I'm so glad to hear that. That's great. Yeah. But it does not feel that way. Okay. <laughs> I can't edit like 10 hours of footage every week anymore. Yeah, you guys. My bones. Um, Will Wheaton Party's coming back? Oh, Spoiler alert, no. he didn't show up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I did bump into him at WonderCon, which is very nice. Great. And we gave him an anna- our table at Disneyland. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. <laughs> um, <coughs> but, uh, so go ahead and check that out. And you can always check out anything and everything Sunnydale Study Group related at SSG Podcast on Twitter. Again, that's at SSG Podcast, as well as Sunnydale Study Group on Facebook and Sunnydale Study Group on Instagram. We got a homework assignment for you guys right now. We're going to send it your way. We want your answers. Hashtag SSG Homework. And our question is, if you had to come up with a detective backstory to get into this situation, to sneak your way into a case, what's your backstory? 
What's your character's name? What's your backstory? What are some quirks you have? Send us your homework answers at SSG Podcast. Hashtag SSG Homework. All right, guys, that's it. We'll be back up in Sunnydale next mm-hmm. week along with Holland and uh, some very fun folks. So please tune back in next week. It's great. Season four of Buffy's amazing. I really like it. I thought that I wouldn't enjoy it so much going back to this time, and I love it more. Yeah, it's interesting. Seeing, seeing the Angel Buffy staff spread over two shows is very interesting. It because is. Because it's kind of like, I get why it's stumbling in certain regards it's because it's essentially almost like Joss was not just running two shows but he's running two new shows yeah and wasn't Firefly also going on uh, he was starting to, I think, was he believe developing it. it. Oh, okay. It was I glimmering he, in his eye. I think it was a glimmer. I know he was. He read the Killer Angels on vacation and was like, "Yes, I want to make this do into this, a sci-fi thing. But not slavery. Exactly. And we'll make it very clearly not slavery. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So I don't think, not yet, but it's interesting. Yeah. Because also a lot of the writers... It's just the same writers on both yeah. shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes total sense. All right, guys. Uh, we'll be back next week in Sunnydale, and then the week after that, we'll be back down here in Los Angeles to discuss some fun, ghosty friends. So, all right. Uh, until then, pack up your bags, pack up your books. We'll see you then. guys it's that time when we get to do some homework shout outs with your homework yeah, uh, yeah. homework is skip. fun homework is fun we had to skip last week oh we totally forgot to talk about our well we'll talk, we'll talk about it back in sunnydale our whedon con panel that's yeah. coming up yeah we'll we'll discuss that more in depth uh but we want to read you guys' homework responses uh one that we missed because we had to do our uh panel announcement from jp uh this of course was if you were djing uh, Angel's Torture, what would you play so Spike doesn't try to destroy your record player? Because mm-hmm. Spike hates the, the classics. Yeah. Uh, JP said, I would play Ghost Town by the Specials and only that song in a never-ending loop. Talk about torturing someone. Oof, yikes. <laughs> send them to heaven before you send them to hell. Yeah. All right, and then, of course, Sam... Corcos, I hope I said that right. Hello, Sam. Thank you for doing your SSG homework. Uh, you, We were talking about what kind of haunted houses people would want right, to do. Because right. we did, of course, in our episode of Fear Itself with special guest Dayon Hutton. We created a Buffy-themed haunted house. And so your haunted house, Sam, was you said I would do a Firefly haunted house where you have to escape Serenity while Reavers are attacking. That's Very amazing. Scary. Haunting. Imagine Reavers just like popping like those pop-out scream stuff. Yeah. Oh, God. I would not. And then like also there's like bodies and stuff around. Yeah. From, what's it called? That one episode? Oh, um, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I always skip it because it's so freaky. The one where like they're all like tied up in the ceiling. Yeah, yeah. What is that episode called? That's like one of the first 
Reaver. Yeah. Episodes. Oh, it's horrifying. Yeah, very scary. And then you get to like true. Sarah Paulson's like little like hologram. Mm-hmm. You could crawl through weird shafts of serenity. And, yeah. Like, oof, great idea. Yeah. But Gosh. then you hear River's voice like telling you where to go and Ooh, stuff. Oh, that is awesome. That could be pretty great. River's voice. Oh my God. Omar, wow. We can do it. Oh, River. I miss her. Summer's really nice, by the way, just so you know. What? Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Guys, turn in your homework. Hashtag SSG homework. Uh, tweet them at SSG podcast. And we would love to hear your responses because we'd love to read them out loud. Mm-hmm. We'll be hearing them with our voices as we read them. Yep. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.